Hello, welcome to another episode of Tigers, Tigers, blah, 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 with me, Luke Flanagan, and my co-host is Rich Walker. How then? How then? Uh, which seems to be what we put on social media uh, every time we have a new sign-in. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems to be now then, so we'll just keep using it. Um, now, just a couple of, couple of things before we get started. Uh, obviously, lots to chat about this week. Um, big thanks to Danny Johnson and Hull City Ladies for sponsoring us. Um, we have an interview coming up later on in the episode with um, the social media executive from the club. So we'll talk all things Hull City ladies uh, Great later, start to later the on. Great start to the season. They did lose yesterday against Huddersfield. That was the first time they'd lost this season. So good mm. win against Sunderland. Good, yeah, good win on at the weekend. Was, yeah. Um, I think they came from behind, actually. Um, and they also had 1-1 one, one draw with Borough. And Borough seen as one of the top teams in that division that they're in. Um, so it's, it's been a good start for Eddie Costello's team. So we'll we'll chat about City Ladies later on and we will keep having features around City Ladies uh, as the episodes keep going. Um, big shout to Fan Hub Football as well with the Fans First movement. Uh, the app is forming. Uh, the app is forming. The app is launching limit, uh, imminently. So sign up for there it's fan hub underscore football i know well they they, they put <laughs> they, they put in that it was two days away from launch and then they reset the calendar um, oh well i know like so that's it yeah maybe they just <laughs> maybe they just got it wrong and they thought oh no we, we, we looked into it too deeply it's not for a little while so i'll just it's it the fan hub app actually the rapture <laughs> <It might be. laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about that i'm not qualified enough to say <laughs> Uh, but obviously, check out Fan. Hub, I mean, we'll uh, never know. We'll never know if it is the rapture because nope. there'll just be piles of our clothes everywhere. And, That's it, you know, and, and an app, just an app, <laughs> uh... <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Skynet or something. Humans yeah, but... gone, technology. <laughs> if you sign up, it just takes all your data, and we don't know what it does with it. Uh, but no, sign up for that. It's it's obviously it's worth doing, and then they'll, over the season that will. Um, that'll start to be used by a lot of people, I think. Um, and then the last one is just our Patreon. We always plug our Patreon. Um, we've got our uh, all our subscribers. Um, and we've obviously got to announce who won the mug. So, How much, how much um, did we raise for Wigan Athletic? Uh, um... we, we raised 28 quid for uh, Wigan, which we will put through. Um, once every, might not once need we, it now. Well, we might not, but still the thought was there. Yeah, fingers um, crossed, send it on anyway. But yeah, we will. We'll send it on anyway, obviously. But obviously, we we did say last month that the first month's earnings will donate to Wigan. So that is what we will do. Um, and we've got Aaron Bell, Mike Hassan, Alex O'Neill, Rich Fleming, Adam Brown and Ewan Jones. Uh, it's Alex O'Neill this week who's the winner. So um, that is... The uh, lead host for Tigers Down Under, the City podcast in Australia. So that will have to be sent <laughs> by airmail. I'm not That's... dropping that round for nobody. Uh, I'd love to go cost to Australia. You a pretty penny. It is, isn't it? It's going to be worth more than the mug. But Alex, be in contact with us, please, to get some uh, information from you so we can ship you across a mug that will probably turn up in. January or something. I thought you were going to say it'll turn up in pieces. No. Oh no, it won't turn up in pieces. They are well made and they are well packaged. It's just oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much that will cost to ship it over there, but still uh, well done to him, he's won. Um, 
And that's all the thanks we've we've talked about all of those. First thing we were going to talk about was the Northampton game. Yeah. So, would you like to start, my friend? Yes, I would. Um, they were ugly, weren't they? Oh my god! I have <laughs> never watched such rubbish football for a long time. <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't even. I would, usually we don't really care if we swear or not in this, but I did. I didn't want to just. Like use the expletive straight away. I just wanted to they use. They don't deserve it. No, they don't. They, they, don't. they don't. And it's not worth me getting angry over. So I just said rubbish. Yeah, but it was it. It, it was Uh-oh. absolutely trash. I just yeah. couldn't. I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch that all season. If you're a Northampton fan, and I mean, I have I have lots to say later on on this because I think it's quite funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I will tell you about um, something people that I've been in contact with through my writing, they're Northampton fans. Oh, I can imagine. And can imagine some, some of the stuff they came out with post-game was laughable. You yeah. will, honestly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they were ugly. What else were you going to say <laughs> before I jumped in with the rubbish adjective? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they were ugly, but from our point of view... Um, mm. I thought we did well to stand up to it. You could see mm. that first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the game. It was almost like it didn't take us aback, but you could see that it was kind of like, okay, how are we going to get to grips with it? Because I think at, at, at that point, it could have gone either way. Their physicality could have got on top of us uh, and their direct play, mm. um, you know, and they looked to, like they had carried some threat from set pieces as well. I mean, that is direct with a capital D though, isn't it? Well, I think all the all the letters are in capitals. Pumps forward, yeah. Play off the big man, and you know, just horrible, niggly little game. Um, it was so frustrating to watch at times. It it was. Um, I mean, we joke they were ugly, but I think I said to you in the week that there are mm. they will beat teams playing like that. Oh, they will. They'll shit house teams. Yeah, unbelievably. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you have to stand up and, and be counted when you, you're playing teams like that. Because it's not just the, the direct and kind of relentless nature of the long balls and playing off that striker. It's, um, every little challenge seems to be a horrible one. Um, not mm. not dirty, but just like borderline, like aggressive and tough tackling. Um, it was It was Sunday league tackling, wasn't it? It was just, it was I, like in, I mean, into and from any, the off. You know all the cliches, though, yeah? Yeah, into I don't know if any Northampton's players were hung over um, <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the same way that... Um, well, they only had one shot on target, be. so maybe. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Maybe. How well we played them at their own game, which limited them to the shots that they did have that were just high and wide and bloody awful. Yeah, but, well, um, I mean, I think once we got to grips with their threat or... You know, lack thereof. Um, mm. Once we got to grips with their style of play, I think would be a more appropriate statement. Um, they didn't really adapt to that, did they? They didn't. They didn't no. have any other method um, by which they thought they could go about breaking us down. Um, it was. I think we pump it. It was and, pump it up. and let yeah. let um, their top knot. Um, Top knot, <laughs> <laughs> tin pot top knot. Um, yeah, let him, you know, let him uh, kind of. The B and M Gareth Bale. 
Well, do you know who he reminded me of? Um, Go on. Not so much in, in the way that he looked, but kind of the way that he sort of um, swanned himself about the pitch and put himself on all the set pieces and stuff was um, like Liam Lawrence of um, kind of like 2001, 2002 uh, when he yeah. was playing for I, Mansfield. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I get, I, yeah, I, I get I'm, it. I'm sure a lot of City fans will remember him like wearing the same Adidas Predators as David Beckham and having the same, like, roughly oh, yeah. the same haircut. It was like, all right, we know what you're aiming for there. Um, yeah. Whereas that lad for, for Northampton kind of looked like um, Pound Shop and Tom Griezmann or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and didn't quite pull it off. Um, but yeah, once, once we'd sort of nullified and, and kind of got on top of their game plan, I think um, there was only, only us that looked like winning it. Having said that... Um, there were only two moments of quality in the game. Um, we scored from both of them. Exactly. exactly. So it's like the, the textbook away performance. Um, mm. That me. was the kind of performance that we needed last year and we never got, really. Yeah, yeah. That, um, the ability to dig in there and, and mm-hmm. make sure that you came out on the right side of all things considered. A tough away day, you know, the... the mm. The uh, conditions weren't great, and you're playing a team that just wants to get get in your face and, and make it horrible for you. So I thought City did well to stand up to it and, and to come out on the right end of things was especially pleasing. I know you're one of well, the really good things you wanted to talk about um, was George Honeyman. Yeah, um, and, and I'd echo in you with that. But yeah, he's um, my good thing for today. Yeah, um, um, he was he was excellent. He yeah, really was. I'm, I mean, what start to the season it's been for him? Um, a goal and like an three assist again. Um, yeah, two assists in the first game, wasn't it? Two assists yes. against Gillingham. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, goal and an assist last game. So he's he started the season really yeah, well. And he had one that was ruled out for offside as well, didn't he? I mean, it wasn't... He did. It wasn't he close did. to being no, offside. Um, no, it wasn't at all. But he's but popping still, up in these still, positions. That's um, it, yeah. You know, running on beyond the striker. Um I know I don't want to be seen as like um, the fanboy for Josh McGuinness, but one thing that I think the way he plays that centre forward role allows us to do is get men beyond him, mm. um, and I think Honeyman is profiting off that. Um, I think he, does. I think McGuinness certainly does the does the ugly side of of being a striker, but yeah. it's the selfless side. I don't, yeah. know if, I don't know if this is a reference you'd particularly kind of compare, but. You know, when France won the World Cup, Giroud played that similar role, didn't score a goal, but actually still ended up playing as part of a side that wasn't set up to necessarily benefit him that much. Yeah, but I mean, it, I think but it, the obvious it, comparison for English football fans is kind of like latter years Emil Heskey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the running, the dirty work, doing the doggies as it was, just everything that he does, people look at the stats afterwards and go, oh, well, he, he hasn't had a shot on target or he hasn't done it. What about his yeah, movement the other to thing let with... Honeyman go in the hole or whatever it may be? Yeah, where... and the other thing with playing that sort of role is if the game's not going your way, you can just look very, very poor because, you know, mm. it, the the things that you have to do as a centre-forward who plays that way can sometimes go under the radar when you're having a good game. Um, I was a little bit nervous about him getting sent off, I will say. Um, <laughs> I was in that sort of game, yeah. Because he got booked quite early on. Um, yeah. And he does love a red card. 
He does, yeah. And, and a frustrated red card at that. Yeah, it's often a petulant kick out or something yeah. or a very late challenge when he's not quite got the ball on, not in the game, which yeah. I would I would sympathise with. But then... It <laughs> of course you would. Of course I would. But uh, it, it, it would not have helped the team. I couldn't imagine going down to 10 men against that lot no. would have benefited us. They would have probably clawed a goal back somehow. No, I mean, there was a maturity about that. And that was one of the other good things about... Um... Honeyman's performance. I mean, he had the captain's armband, but I yeah. thought he, he led by example as well. You could see that there was a maturity about the way that he played the game. He just goes um, about his his game just so professionally for me. I just, I'm I'm liking Honeyman more and more every week. Yeah, I, he's found his game. Whether that's because he's found his level or not, I don't know. But yeah, um, well, it's hard to say. You can only you can only beat what's what's put in front of you. Certainly. Um. Obviously, at, at times last year he struggled, and you know. All right, he came on strong towards the end of the season, where he was one of our better performers. Mm. Um, but for the early part of the season, you could certainly say that you didn't know what his place in the team was, and you didn't particularly understand. At least you, I didn't. You, you I wouldn't didn't have, have picked. You wouldn't have picked him, would you? But he's well, definitely. I didn't know what he could contribute. Of... I didn't yeah. know what he could where, where his his attributes were. Um, yeah. I feel like well, I'm getting an understanding for that now. It's, it's nice to see. Is it is the number ten, isn't he? It, he's yes. got number ten on his back for a reason. Now yeah. I think it's just he fits that role so well, especially in, like you say, maybe it's his level league one. That's no disrespect to him. I want him to. I want to see him keep on doing this, improve every week. If this is his level and he's really good at this level, then brilliant. I don't care about you know whether it, don't look forward to next year or anything. I just want to keep seeing what he's doing. I just mm. really enjoy watching him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, dynamic midfielder. It's been. Been a while since I've I've enjoyed a midfield like we've got, and a dynamic midfield in general. I think that's it because I mean Doherty can get about, can't he? Doherty gets about. I like him. He's he's a good player. When Smallwood's fit, you know, he's just so calm and he's a proper leader. I know he didn't yeah. play against Northampton, but I'm a big Smallwood fan. Yeah, um, Alfie Jones played well though in that position. He did. He did. I've I've been impressed with ever, whenever I've seen him play. Um, I think that was that was actually one of the key things. The longer the game went on, is you've got that somebody in midfield and it was one of the things that I said last week when I thought that he might drop into that role mm. um, if yeah. um, Smallwood was injured big lad you know he and, is a big lad and he's a ball player as well so yeah yeah but if if you know Northampton wanted to pump it it's like okay we'll just drop three into the back that's you've it got, you've got one up top so yeah, easy we'll sniff it out yeah absolutely yeah. and there was a, when we did look a little bit ropey in the first 10 minutes they, I think there was an injury, and then all the players came over, and McCann was very specifically telling Alfie Jones what to do. Yeah, and and after that, we didn't see nothing from Northampton. No. So I think McCann is improving week on week with going right. No, you you're not quite doing what I wanted to do. Make sure you do this. I trust you to do this, and it seems to be you know working currently. Mm. Um, one I think of the things. We'd be remiss if we didn't discuss the two moments of quality, though. I mean, oh, two, massively. Two things that stood out for me. Um, well, three, really. Um, the ball in from Honeyman and the oh. header for the first goal. Beautiful. Lewis Potter's finish was brilliant. That thing that I tweeted you with, which was just the the guy, and it just says Honeyman to Lewis Potter, and that guy runs up and headbutts that door and goes <laughs> through it. <laughs> <laughs> That did make me chuckle. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, the the deliveries are set pieces. It just because you that he proper works as well. That was a training ground routine because Elder so, went over yeah, it wasn't between it? him and Elder. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they've because obviously he was the 
Um, he was the left footer and it, they've shaped for that and it's just worked to a T perfectly. They've obviously mm. um, worked that worked on that, the training ground really well. I mean, and then the other one. Oh, Adelicum's ball good, through was... Good Lord. I Have mean, I said that right? Am I pronouncing that right? Still? <laughs> I don't... I, I, I can't... Do you know what? This is really silly. I, I heard somebody else say it a different way and I thought that makes sense and now I can't remember how he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a Delican, Hakeem yeah. Delican. I'm going yeah. with that. Yeah, but I mean, we got the we got free kick. Elder took it quickly, um, and then Doherty, Doherty. passed the Doherty, Doherty passed. No, Doherty took it, passed it to Elder, yeah. and passed it to uh, and a Delican's ball was just beautiful through ball, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Just the, it, do you know who it reminded me of? Um, it's the way that he was able to shift his body and create some space for him was Shani Aluko. He was he was yes, brilliant at doing I, that. Yeah, that's a yeah, cracking reference. That he, he he could just do that. He's turn on a sixpence and just yeah, just he was arrow just it able in to kind of roll his hips through. Um, that's it. Yeah, without actually moving on the ground, just mm. shift his position um, to create that space for him. He did. And what considering that was his first game in how yeah, many a long months? time, long time, and obviously. You know, we I didn't we didn't think he would be involved from the start, and he was, but that was because Wilkes had carried a knock or whatever. Yeah. Um. But he he did well in that, and, and that moment of quality, obviously, stuff like that in a game where you you you're playing, you know, god awful football against. Uh, well, a side that plays god awful football, should I say? But you've got somebody like that who can pull that out of the bag. Mm. Um, and obviously, Honeyman, Honeyman did really well to finish it as well because the keeper he didn't did, make yeah. it easy for him either. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so what, it was pleasing. What, what was your good thing? Um, my good thing was the shit housing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course it was. <laughs> um, I just thought the way that we kind of I wouldn't I don't want to use the term dark arts because I don't think we did necessarily, but I just loved seeing, for example, Emmanuel go over the advertising boards into the ground. To get the ball, and there was one on a cone right in front of him. Just oh, little, yeah. just so little that. things like that. They were just winding Northampton up so much. But having talked to a few Northampton fans, just through some of the writing and stuff that I've done, they described themselves as a shit house team. Oh, okay. they, they basically do what we did to them, to teams on a weekly basis, and they managed to get into the playoff semi final and into the final and go up. Absolutely. Um and once we had got that second goal, I think that was the killer because I still think that they Keith I mean, I've not really come across Keith Curl as a manager before, but I mean he was another sort of he was a bit bitter afterwards, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, I mean yeah, I mean it's the same with Steve Evans, he was bitter afterwards, but it it just seems to be that City are now Becoming that that team where you know how to play, like we could we could play through the thirds and do what McCann likes us to do at home or whatever. But against away from home against tough teams where it is going to be a physical battle, we're, we're the, we've got the players now to to just make sure that everything's calm. At no point was I ever worried against Northampton. There was one yeah. little the one little bit where they brought that striker on. Why they brought him on for ten minutes, I don't know because he actually looked better than any of the other players that were on that pitch. Adams. Um, but still, he he had a header. Oh no, it was it was, a, it was a chip shot, and it kind of hit the top of the bar and went into the the, the roof of the net, sort of thing. Um, but that was I think that was the only 
real chance I remember in them have because every time we kind of got a goal kick or whatever. And the other thing that added to this hilarity for me was seeing on Twitter as, as the game went on, um, people were, were absolutely raving about the Northampton commentary. Um, and I put it on. Um, and, this is oh, your bad thing, yeah. Uh, it kind of links into the bad thing, I guess. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to make a nice segue into it. But, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, some people who support City are quite negative sometimes on social media about Burnsy oh, and Swanee. Why, really? why, yeah, why, why they are, though. All you need to do is listen to BBC Radio Northampton. <laughs> whatever jokers they were having, commentating for them, it was just absolutely unreal. And they were just... they were. Accusing the ref of all, I mean, the ref was the ref was awful, but he wasn't yeah. just awful for them; he was awful for both sides. Uh, you made was, another neat little segue there because he was he was my bad thing. Um, but I mean, before we get to your, you can talk about the ref. But I just thought the Northampton, not just the Northampton commentary, but the Northampton fans as well. The the reaction videos I saw from some of them that that I'd kind of worked with. They would just say, well, you know, no one likes Hull. The Hull shit ours does, you know, fair enough. But uh, yeah, we, we didn't deserve to lose the game. And I'm just thinking, you deserve to lose the game because you could have played for six hours and not scored. Because all you do is pass it to your centre-backs, who pass it to, to, out to the right-back, and they lump it to the big guy. And when you've got, as you say, the two big centre-backs, and then you've got Alfie Jones there, they're just like, cheers, thanks very much. Mm. Play it out. All it day. Was, it, all day, exactly. It's it just that they they seem to have this thing where they they felt that we were not two goals better than them, but oh, we were we were so much better than them. <laughs> it was just brilliant to watch. I just love that everybody seems to now be hating City because they they know how to play against different teams. They don't just have one style of play. And when we go away from home against shithouse teams, we play them at their own game. I love that. It's brilliant. Mm. But yeah, the ref was your choice. It was. It was my choice of bad thing. Um, good I'd good lord. I'd forgotten what referees were like at this level. Oh, Jesus Christ. You get some who just want to impose themselves on the game. Um, I've always thought, um, from my uneducated uh, standpoint on refereeing, um, that the hallmark of a good referee is one that you don't notice. Yes. Um, yes. You notice this guy. <laughs> my God. He, he, every little thing was just blown up, and oh god! And yeah, it. I just I, I was speechless by some of it. I was just like, "What are you joking?" <laughs> I get used to it, mate, because it's going to happen a lot. Uh, it's yeah. I'm sure we're going to have him again, probably yeah. this weekend. But yeah, it, or someone it was, like him. Oh, absolutely! It was it was not good, was it? No, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in in the style of every annoying um, official, there were certain things that he was blowing for, and then other things that seemed clear and obvious fouls. It was like, no, that's fine. Yeah, play someone, on. someone just like wrestling to the ground. Play on, lads. Yeah. As soon as, as Doherty goes in, wins the ball. Yeah, free kick. Are you joking? Like, clearly won the ball coming in from the side didn't come from behind at all and that's what he was accusing <laughs> of doing it's like what are you doing oh god yeah like you say the refs at this level are going to be going to be a a good old laugh aren't they yeah well yeah if if you win they're a laugh if you lose 
that's it. You know, you remember their names um, for years to come. You remember the names of the bad referees like um, Uriah Rennie and yeah. Andy Durso. You know, names that are kind of like seared in my brain from just shouting <laughs> at them. <laughs> you useless fucker. Yeah. Yeah. God, Andy Durso. Andy Durso. God. Um, yeah, so obviously, yeah, that was the, uh, we usually do the bad, the good, uh, the good, the bad, and then the number. And I think your number is... Well, seven, my number's 72. Which um, equates to? Uh, it's the first time since 1948, I believe, that we've won the first three games of the league season. Uh, so 72 years. Bloody hell. So enjoy it. You might never see the likes of this start again. That's right. I mean, we're only we're only second. No, third we are now, aren't we? Because Lincoln won on the Sunday. Yes. So that it's just on goal difference, isn't it? Basically. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's too early to be looking at the table. Oh, anyway, yeah. But it's been a long time since we've been up that end of things. So it is. You know, again, I suppose very positive start. Yeah. Um, my number links to the bad things as well because I... yeah, you should have gone first. It would have been neater. <laughs> uh, we, I chose thirty-five, which it is actually is. the amount of times that stupid fucking referee blew his whistle for a free <laughs> kick. Oh <laughs> uh, dear, um, I miss watching football with you because uh, I'm you. Coming out with all these quips, and my missus just goes, "Oh, we shut up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, wife gets out of the way. Um, yeah, she did, she was out on um, Saturday afternoon. She came back, um, and she went, um, "Did they win?" And I said, "Yeah, two 0 And she just went, "Ooh." <laughs> she's not used to it. Usually, I'm a right miserable git. Fucking hell, that's three games in a row. That yeah, uh, first chance is like forty six. Um, <laughs> 48 48 sorry um, get it right <laughs> soz but yeah 35 fouls which is an awful lot isn't it um, yeah it was just such so stop and start I think particularly second half actually I was happy um, for it though second half if I'm honest it killed the game for in our favour didn't it because they yeah. weren't really able to get any momentum to get back no. in which which because, could suit us. I mean, the, the free kicks weren't being awarded consistently in their favour either, so no, they weren't they, able to put us any under any no. sustained pressure. No, I mean, if they kept getting free kicks down our end and pumping them into the box, at some point maybe a header could have gone in, I guess. But yeah. it didn't ever. It, all their long balls just went out on the full. Basically, they just went over the top and out for a goal <laughs> kick. And Matt Ingram was like, oh, "Take me time with this one, lads." Yeah, that was the other thing. They didn't quite have Liam Lawrence's. Uh, Quality of delivery on no, they pieces, didn't. So. No, they definitely didn't. It was very much hoof ball, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was. I think maybe like watching Wimbledon of the eight, late eighties and nineties. Um, not even that good. But without any of the uh, the strikers that they had at the time, <laughs> who could actually finish any chance that was presented their way. Um, but yeah, so obviously we've we've done the uh, Northampton roundup. Um, yeah, if we so we've got. We're speaking to Graham Cannon from Hull City Supporters Trust. We are. Uh, Graham, Next, Cannon, Graham Cannon is going to come on and we'll talk to him. Um, and we've also got Hull City Ladies social media um, executive Alex Robinson on 
Um, so we'll have those two interviews uh, and then we'll be back with the preview for the Plymouth game. Obviously, I just want to thank you for coming on, Graham. That's quite all right. Um, it's it's great to have you on, um, obviously, with the, the role that you have. And obviously, I want to give you some opportunity to talk about that and loads of things with the Hull City Supporters Trust. Um, and then, obviously, your your views on the season so far, basically. Um, so... If you um, if you're ready, we're just gonna we'll, we'll start with the start with the recording. If if that's all right with you, that's good for me. Okay. Um, so obviously, it's been all change at All City Supporters Trust um, over the summer. Um, do you, do you want to tell us about kind of how you came to be in the position you are and and what you're kind of hoping for for the next kind of few months and into next year? Um, what you're aiming towards. Yeah, okay. Firstly, it's it's not been a great change. It's something that we've been planning for possibly the best part of six to nine months now. It it would have occurred earlier if we'd have had the normal um, end to the season and the AGM. Hmm. And it was something that Jeff was always planning to step down. So from our point of view, it's not been a big... <clears throat> A big change, but of course, from the outside, it's it's viewed that way. Um, we simply want to do what all supporters trusts want to do is to support the club in the best way we can by involving with dialogue with them. We yeah. won't always agree with what they say, and that's what we see our role as is to be able to say, "Hang on a minute here, why don't you think of doing it this way?" We're not anti-club. I mean, it, it says in the name, Hull City Supporters Trust. Mm. And we just want to continue with that. We hopefully will be invited back onto the Supporters Committee at some point in the future. We do have um, casual links with the club on a number of issues. And we really just want to move forward on that. The first one of which is the most important at the moment is Let's get fans back in stadium watching football matches. Because I don't know about you, but it's beginning to do my head in a bit. Here. <laughs> I think, Rich, I think that's a good place for you to come in, mate, because we were just talking about this last week, weren't we? Yes, yeah. I, I don't enjoy it whatsoever. Um, it, it pales in comparison, doesn't it, in terms of like an experience and your connection to your club. It's, it's. Um, I mean... Got the people who do it week in, week out, you know, watchers from abroad and what have you, because watching, you know, two and a half miles away from the ground or whatever it is that my house is, it's, it's difficult. I do not enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it is still watching whole city, but it's not perfect. It, it's not because we're all fans. We know that a football day isn't the 90 minutes in the middle when you're watching the game. It's the getting prepared. It's the meeting your mates in the pub first. It's arguing over at half-time why we were so rubbish. But we haven't, <laughs> we haven't had to do that much this season. And particularly for where I go, I often used to go in the William Gemmell after the match. And it would be, we'd been there for an hour and a half dissecting mm. how bad we were some days. So <laughs> that sort of stuff. And even more so on an away day, it's like 
you're down in the spoons in Hull having your breakfast at half past seven. You're on the train. You're mm. on with a load of other people having, um, should we say, perhaps not the right drink to drink at that time of day. <laughs> <laughs> train beers. Train beers at 7am. I go with a group of people who end up with like gin and tonic cans. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bigger yeah. thing of it. And that's what a lot of people are missing. And I can see in these lockdown times that this is affecting some people's mental health because that's, they live for this. That mm. makes yeah, a lot of them. It's, it's probably, it's things like that we need to consider. I mean, I understand that we do have, the clubs have to follow the safety guidance. But you've got to understand think that the, at some point we are going to have to move on we cannot constantly stay like this a because of people's health but b clubs won't exist anymore certainly at the lower levels they're going to go bust and very soon mm. i mean one of the things that that, that that was interesting i mean obviously we've dropped into league one this season the league one and two didn't restart did they um when when the Premier League and the Championship did. And lots of those clubs said they just simply couldn't afford to do it. So, two, well, three, four months down the line, if it keeps, because so many clubs rely on that revenue through the gates, don't they? That yeah. it, it is literally going to be, you know, five, six teams a week are just going to be completely, they, they are going to go bust, as you say, they're not going to exist anymore. And those those people that relied on that, you know, it's, it's not just the fans, it's not just the players, it's all the people around in the community. Those people won't have that anymore, will they? Yeah, it's the effect on Anlaby Road already. Look, yes. We've, we've lost Parkers. Mm. I never thought in my lifetime I'd see that place shut. No. And it is, it's that knock-on effect. And... I understand that it's so desperate for some clubs. Like, it's it's the second qualifying round of the FA Cup on Saturday. Mm. And from what I understand, there's something to do with the contracts with the FA and for the FA Cup. If you don't actually kick off, you're not, you're not locked into the contract. So somebody said, was it last night, that up to 40 clubs may just say, we're not playing. Literally. Yeah. If they don't get money, tomorrow. I mean, it's... And the annoying thing is, there is so much money in the game. I mean, look, Macclesfield Town went bust for £500,000 of owed money. Yeah. How much does Willian get at Arsenal now? I think he's on, up, he's on upwards at 200k a week, isn't he? That's a fortnight's money. It is, Frightening. yeah. Frightening. And, and it's going to get worse. And the other thing was, I, I think it's interesting you make that Arsenal point. So obviously, I know we're a City podcast, but... The, the Arsenal point's really interesting because they let loads of staff go, didn't they? And said basically they couldn't afford to keep them. Yet they signed him, admittedly on a free, but the wages he commands as a you know one of the is one of the biggest one of the biggest earners in the Premier League. I wouldn't have thought anybody would argue with that. And it, you do have to question kind of the, the the morals and the intentions of the of those clubs if if they don't see their employees beneath players as something that they can afford to give, but they're all right to give the the, the massive contracts to those players who are above 30. He's 31, isn't he, William, I think? And yeah. he's, he's, he's on a two, three-year contract at 200, 250 grand a week. It's just, it, it, it does feel wrong, doesn't it? It does. I mean, and 
I would assume that Arsenal have had their backroom staff on furlough payment on furlough payments. I would assume so because most people will have taken that. Yeah, yeah. Been getting government money, Mm. and that's worrying. I mean, that's the thing at City. We've all seen this week that they've announced how they're going to deal with the memberships. Mm. It's not perfect, but like all businesses, they need cash flow. It's cash flow up front, um, uh, and it keeps people like it's all the backroom staff, not so much the owners, but it's the backroom staff. These are real people with real jobs who we all know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there was people saying, can't they suspend it completely? Well, they could, but they've still got to pay the backroom staff. And I think the offer they've come up with is a lot of people kept saying, is that really right? We're actually going to get £30 back each month, plus mm. our streams for free. And it is. It's as good as they could have done. I mean, it's it's a mess. And I don't know how we're going to make progress with it. I think there will certainly be clubs going to the wall, even if it was all fixed tomorrow and we could go back. Yeah. It just makes such a big hole in clubs' finances. I don't know if either of you saw it Um Colchester United put out um, a very interesting statement around the revenue um, that they received from iFollow. Um, I think it was their game against Bolton. I did see this, And, and the way that that money is split, it's, mm, not, yeah. it's not done on the same kind of basis as if those Bolton fans were turning up to... Um, on the game, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's, it's done very, very differently. And it, it kind of turns the, the financial side of it on its head completely. Um, I don't see how clubs can, can have possibly accounted for that. There's no way that they could have, you know, based budgets because they don't, they won't budget based on three or four months ahead, will they? Their budgets will be done long-term, oh. you know, 12, 24 months. It's, so that money that, that they're losing out on, how do you replace it? I don't see that you can it's it's cash flow. All businesses, even the most successful, are based on having cash flow up front. And the minute you start to lose that, then there is no coming back for a lot of clubs. I follow Andy Holt from Accrington Stanley on Twitter, who posts a lot of business sense. He's, he's the owner at Accrington Stanley. Mm. And he posts just a lot of common sense about things. About he, he he will explain that they had a game that the, the cancellation of that would cost them sixty thousand pounds. Yeah, fine for a bigger club, but that's sixty thousand pounds he has to find from somewhere and juggle round. And I, I can't believe it's got to this point, and we haven't got the finances. I understood that the Premier League were meant to be were being pushed by the Department of Culture, Media and Sport to do some trickle-down payments. Mm. Well, there's lots to talk about that, but I don't think anybody's seen any money yet. No, <sighs> no it's it just the, the finances seem so... Well, it does seem that all they care about is the Premier League because one of the main things that... This is something that I've talked about on kind of... with Not necessarily just with City, but like in, as football in general, that... They were ke- they were keen to cancel like when coronavirus hit and everything locked down. Steps three to six went straight away. They were null and void, and all they were worried about was trying to make sure the Premier League restarted. 
Now, the F, that's what the FA was, was saying then. The, we didn't know when the Championship was going to restart and they kind of thought about the conference and Leagues 1 and 2 as an afterthought, in my opinion. It would have been, in my opinion, again, it's only my opinion, but surely the lower leagues, that would be a perfect time to start with people getting back into grounds later on. There would no, be no need to cancel the season so much if they didn't know what was going to happen. And it's those the, those grassroots clubs, even all the way, obviously, all the way up to City, where we still classed as a you know, step one club being in League Two, but the, the, all of those lower lower clubs that get less than 500 people in their grounds, it's that they're going to suffer as well. There's going to be no base of the pyramid. It's just going to be the Premier League that's left, surely. Yeah, I mean, that's and um, then that will fold because people forget that the Premier League doesn't just exist in isolation. Where no. do they get the players from? Feeder club, yeah. loaning people out. Mm. I mean, it's, I've been fortunate enough, I've actually managed to see some live football in this lockdown. I've been to North Ferriby. Yeah. Which it's easier for the smaller clubs because they've in effect got the open space. They don't have concourses and... Yeah, they can socially distance easier, I guess, when you've got only, say, 10% of a of a grounding or 15% or whatever it is. So I think it's 300 therapy allowed, isn't it? Yes, 300. That's what we had against Hall Road Rangers on Saturday. And the yeah. bar was well organised with social distancing and spacing and they ran it very well. Hmm. I mean, they they may get a spin-off of City not playing and is that they'll get regularly crowds of that size and I think I think there is potential for that certainly um I think Ferriby have always been kind of well supported in the area as the best non-league like the best supported non-league team in the area you over the years haven't they you say that <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, surprised actually at, at the standard of football it's yeah since I've watched lower league football and it was it was entertaining I mean, you you may have seen the videos that Pete Pete Fleming puts out. He, yeah, Pete. Yeah, Pete's brilliant. I watch a lot of his videos. He covers all sorts of non-league clubs around the area, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but some some of the goals against uh, All Road Rangers, I did see, and there was some great football played. Some worldies, weren't there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was. I've forgotten who scored the first goal. I don't know if it's Jamie Forrester. Um, yeah, that's when I went. I actually knew a name on the on the team sheet. <laughs> yeah. The Jamie Forrester. <laughs> that gets me every time. And, uh, every time. <laughs> Gary, Gary Bradshaw's still playing for North Therapy as well. He, co- he usually comes on a sub. Um, and yeah, he, he, he's, he's still going. He's, he's still down there. But um, I mean, if, if we obviously, we, we, I was talked in quite a lot of detail about that. Um, it, with, with City Supporters Trust going forward, is there any specific kind of, um, I don't know, plans that you've got over the next few months to try and make sure that um, voices are heard, so to speak? We're, we're pushing the club all the time to be back on the supporters committee. Mm. But our, our voice is heard, but may not be, it may not be acknowledged that it's heard. I mean, we, we, right. we like to keep in contact and frankly, you won't hear a lot of, from various support trusts in different. We find this in different clubs around the country. If there's no great conflict and there's nothing to be shouting about, then yeah. you, you will not hear a lot from your supporters trust. Your supporters trust is just getting on with the day to day stuff of trying to help the club. 
I mean, yeah. we, we've, we launched the Amber Ribbon campaign to try and... Let's just say that at the end of last season, there were a lot of disillusioned fans. <laughs> I think fair. that's fair. I think that's fair. And we, we <laughs> thought, let's just try and think of some way that we can be non-controversial, but show that people still love City. And we do still love City. I mean, it's... I, I must admit that I have only watched City probably for the past seven or eight years. So I'm not, I'm not third generation. It's not in my DNA, but I couldn't now imagine life without it. But it, it's to try and get people back involved with a feeling for the, for the club, for the city. It's, the club and the city are very interchangeable, in my opinion. Mm. It's one matches the other and it's good it is that way. But that's what our main aim is, is just to keep keep pushing, prodding the club. And also, uh, we will at some point have to be doing a pilot event to go back. And we want to try and talk to the club and say, look, when supporters do go back, it's going to be very different. It's not going to be like normal games. A lot of other clubs and their supporters' trusts have already explained to people how the new game day will be. Now, City at the moment haven't moved on that, but we're always willing to help them explain to fans that you're not going to be able to just do as you did before. I mean, there are, there are simple practicalities of under the new COVID regime, even as basic as queuing for the loo and mm. standing on the concourse and one-way systems and you're not going to be able to be patted down. There's a lot of stuff and mm. fans need to be prepared for that. So we're, we're trying to work with them on that. And the Sports Ground Safety Authority have produced an excellent document on it, a guide to getting stay, uh, fans back into stadium. It's a document called SG02. And that's 91 pages just on how to get fans back into, st into stadium. Wow. <laughs> and that's just that bit. And then you've got the safety advisory group on the council. We've got everything else. Mm. So we're going to try and work with them, work with all parties involved to just explain to people, yeah, if you think that when we're back in the stadium, it's going to be exactly as it was before, it may never be the same as it was before. <laughs> Possibly not. <laughs> there. The issue isn't actually when you're in the bowl of the stadium, because that's not too bad, because you're open air. It's... It's all the other bits. So that's one of the things that we want to work with the club on. Um, we're always, we will always try and be supportive of the club. The, there are, have potentially in the past been issues with the owners of the club. I mean, if you agree with them or not agree with them, they're the owners of the club at the moment. And they're the people that we have to talk to on behalf of fans. And we are most willing to do that. It's the, it's always divides fans, this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's whether you're pro or anti the owners, at mm. the moment, they are the owners. So we have to work with them. Not, yeah. not agree with them not be uh, 
simply repeat what they want us to say parrot fashion because we are our own people but we have to work with them and you have to build a working relationship and we're always willing to do that yeah I don't... rich do you want to come in here because <laughs> i always find it difficult to talk about this no i don't i don't mean like that i disagree with graham at all because i i really do agree with what he's just said but that there is some vitriol out there well, of course there is um I would tend to agree with what Graham has said there in that you cannot mm. completely shut any dialogue down or any willingness to have dialogue with the owners down because you disagree with them because the fact mm. remains, as he said, that the owners are the club and, and if you're not willing to engage with them and, and vice versa, I think everybody loses out on that because whether they're looking to wash the hands of the club or not, the fact is that they're they're still the owners, and while they own the club, um, supporters should have that chance and the opportunity to have the dialogue. I hope that they do, um, you know, formally bring the supporters' trust back into, you know, fans advisory groups and what have you, um, because I, I would imagine that now the um, number of members for the trust is. You know, larger than it is for the official supporters club. Um, so these are this is a large bod, uh, uh, probably the largest paid-up group of um, city fans, um, and and to not give them that voice, and, and and on the other end to not want to engage just because you disagree with historical issues. Put taking a marker and saying, I've disagreed with you know the name change and whatever. That's fine, and I respect that. But then it doesn't do anything for you going forward, does it? I think you have to be as, as pragmatic as you can about it. Um, so I appreciate what you're saying. If you know you find it difficult to speak about, but vitriol doesn't help you move forward, does it? And and I'm not saying that people necessarily no. want to move forward with these current owners because a lot of people don't. And, you know, those of us that think that are justified, you know, might feel that we're justified in doing so. But it it doesn't help you. In the interim, you, you have to move forward. You, can't, you cannot be always stuck in 2013 and that was then and this is now. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we're saying. It's, we can only go forward. We've, we've got to move on. I mean, yes, the issues of 2013 and 2014 and to some extent 2016 when the sale mm. didn't go through Mm. That's that's gone now. You may not, people may not forget it. Well, you won't forget it because it was fairly traumatic within the relationship between the club yeah. and the fan base. But we have we we aren't there anymore. We're in twenty twenty, in a different situation. The club's in a a different level of football and may be struggling so let's move mm. on together again the the amber ribbon campaign was to do that it was to try and promote unity well the past is the past let's try and move forward and make progress and that's what we're always willing to do and i, I think that, you know that is so important particularly in this kind of fallow period for the club um Local supporters and supporters who care enough to be 
involved in things like the trust, paid up members or, you know, like yourself, where you have an active role in, in the day-to-day duties of the trust. For the club to engage with supporters who are as invested in their club is very important. You know, and it is important for the for the longevity of any football club in League One or League Two. Your local support base will always be the one that you can rely on. Yeah, exactly. We aren't a Premier League club anymore. Fans re- revenue from ticket sales and fans is now mm. quite important, and we're not. Yeah. We're not the saying lower, that... the lower down the leagues you go, the more important that game revenue becomes, isn't it? Basically, and the the parachute payments, whatever we get, the it's it that that is well, anything now it's, where it's we can rely on nothing. that, is it? <laughs> there, are, that, there are none that's gone. Yeah, but that, that's the, the last two seasons. That's what kind of you know people are you know that's what we've been getting. That it, that it doesn't exist now, does it? So it's. It's very much a case of it comes back to what we said to the start. We need to make sure that at some point <laughs> and some point soon, fans are allowed back in. It won't be allowed all of them, will it? But we need to try and get some kind of fans back into the grounds because otherwise we're not going to have clubs to support anymore across the country, not just exactly. City. I mean, that's. I know we know it as football fans, but I don't think the rest of the wider community actually grasp the seriousness of it and the time frame of it. We aren't talking mm. days and weeks in some cases here. It's not something, oh, they'll all be safe until March. Yeah. Some of them won't be safe till the middle of October. Mm. Oh, this is it's all depressing. Yeah. Let's shall we move on to something <laughs> a little bit more well, positive and, and just get, get your thoughts yeah. on yeah, Should we talk about the season, season so far? <laughs> Because it has been positive. <laughs> it has. And that even makes it more annoying that we can't be there. I know. Yeah, I know some does, of the yeah. games we've got in this early period of the season and we can't go, it's, it's really annoying. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've missed out on a ground yes. ticket, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah, as have I. I've never been there. It would have been the first one I'd went to and then, yeah. <laughs> Same, I've, I've, I haven't been to Northampton. I know you've yeah, been I think to I Northampton, have. Rich. Um, but uh, I've been there. I'd have been there. Who went and stood on the hill? That oh yeah, it. yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> it's like five of them there with the city flag. <laughs> I did see that. Um, what do you make of the? Um, so obviously we unbeaten, top joint top of the league, nine points. Um, what what do you make of our performances, particularly in the league so far, with, with the signings that that McCann's made for this league? It's it's just so much more enjoyable to watch, even on a stream. It's mm. players seem to have a purpose, and they all seem to be in the right place for them, and they all seem to know where everybody else is. The only issue I will have is that period when he didn't play Malik Wilkes in the middle, and we did look a bit <laughs> odd. But then he put him back in the middle, and we looked like a really good side. I mean, the game against Leeds was very impressive. I mean, yeah, I had I hadn't watched I hadn't enjoyed watching City so much no. as against Leeds. I know they scored late and everything, but we deserved to win that game about four 0 because we were excellent. But it's that enjoyment, isn't it? We didn't see yeah. a lot of it post New Year's Day last year. I know no. I, 
I was at Stoke and oh, for the first <laughs> ever, through not having to, I left a game of football before the end. I did have to leave the cup tie against Accrington Stanley some years ago, but that was due to travel issues. So I yeah. stood outside the ground when Tuba scored the penalty. <laughs> um, but no, that's the first time I've left. And it's when City invented social distancing. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I know a few people who went to Stoke, and it was that, that. I think that was one of the very, very low points, wasn't it, before lockdown? I mean, that bank at the at, at the state. What, what's it called now? It used to be what, whatever they've named it now. Britannia. I yeah. don't know what they call it. Yeah, Five Stadium, whatever they call it. Bet three six five. That's it. Yeah, fans is always cold, even in yeah. even if you're playing in April or. August, it's always cold there. And it was just a sad day. But I think we, it, it, it may be that we've, the players we've brought in and also the players who've stayed, perhaps this is their yeah. level. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, a honeyman looks like a world beater in League One, and you can kind of see why McCann signed him last year if he was. Doing yeah. that form for Sunderland. I mean, I didn't watch him play for Sunderland, so I don't know if he was, but he's he's been excellent as that number ten, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been fantastic. I mean, it's it's just a it's just a pleasure to enjoy watching games again, and ones that particularly with the the Northampton game and it it they, it was not a pretty game of football, but. If we'd have played against a team like that last yeah. year, we'd have rolled over, wouldn't we? But City were far more streetwise than they had been. Yeah, I, I then you went to say, then you went to slow the game down, and they knew, you know, all Northampton had was a long ball, and we didn't really look like conceding at any point. And the bits of quality that we did have just stood out, didn't they? Yeah, there's there's talk of Tom Eaves being back in contention this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, I did see that. I'm not quite sure yeah, I'm not where sure he's if only from the bench, you know, that's that's where I definitely wouldn't um, have him on from the start. Um, I think he has to earn his way back in. Oh. I mean, you, you would think that League One is the perfect place for a very tall striker in the box and you mm. can put the balls, you, you give him the delivery. Physical, yeah. yeah. But Malik's doing that job now, so... He's a different type of striker, but he really does fit the role that McCann in the, the, yeah. the style the style of football McCann wants to play. Wilkes is so dynamic. Whether or not where he's going to be not. fit, though, I suppose yeah. on Saturday, isn't it? The, I don't think Wilkes will be fit. I think he'll be on the bench if he's involved at all. Smallwood. Um, I would. I wouldn't risk either. In fairness, if the, if neither of them are hundred percent, well, no, you don't I mean, want to be eight games this month. I don't know. So. That's it. That's what I mean. You don't want to be losing. You don't want to try and bring Smallwood back. And and there's, then... there's another thing. We've got choice. We've got options. Yeah. That we, we can rest people and bring other people in, which was that sometimes didn't happen last year. I mean, as you say, we've got eight games in October and the weather's not going <laughs> to, isn't looking good. So it's going to be a really tough time. Hmm. Hey, ho. <laughs> you, you will notice in my um, Twitter handle, 
You notice when, yeah. when we got relegated, a lot of people put an R in brackets. Yes, we've that. we've put that on the Tigers Tigers one as well. We well, have a, an R in that. Yeah, mine, mine's now got brackets <laughs> around a C. Ah, <laughs> very good. So I'm, very I'm good, yeah. positive football wise. <laughs> I like that a lot. No That's reason brilliant. why we can't be that positive you know, on the showings <laughs> that we've seen. And all right, the, the standard of the division is not going to be represented by three teams. It's it's a relatively small sample size, you know, especially given that two of the teams that we've played so far in the league have, have both come up from League Two. Um, but from what we've seen, there's absolutely nothing to fear. Oh. I mean, Crew were probably yeah. the most organised team we've played against. Yeah, they were. Um, they, they, they will be okay in this division, I think. But if if Gillingham were sort of pushing on for promotion last year, I wasn't impressed by them one bit. But they've and, got yeah. points, haven't they? They have. That's what I mean. So we we made them look. I mean, particularly at the at the end of that game, I think if if they'd had a few more games under the belt, I think they would have scored three or four. Because we had the chances when they opened up when they got knackered at the end of that first game, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, the transformation in the team has been remarkable from looking like we never... I don't think we scored in the last four or five games of the last season, did we? No. We didn't score at all. Um, and now it's just, you know, he's playing Lewis Potter, he's playing Eves, uh, sorry, he's, he's playing Wilkes and he's playing up top and there's such a fluid through front three with whoever he picks we look like particularly I mean I've been impressed with Josh Emmanuel I don't know about you but yeah from a right back he's so solid we didn't have a right back at all last season now we've got him and Louis Coyle competing competing for one spot Louis Coyle looked competent against Leeds he looks I mean, he did yeah I think we should get his brother to come and do some <laughs> motivational speeches though <laughs> and they're probably probably way ahead of you there I think uh, I think he'll be uh, he'll be in Louis here a lot, I'm sure. But um, it, like you say, it's 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 great to watch. Even it's annoying watching through a stream, and we all know that. But it, I don't feel annoyed at the end at five o'clock on a Saturday anymore. Usually, yeah. um, well, another player, King King Lewis Potter. I know we we only had a very short sort of close season, but he seems to have put on some body weight. He seems to be. I think he stands up strong. to challenges a lot better. Yeah. I think he's definitely been working in the gym. Yeah. Hasn't he? Because um, the way he leaps up for headers, and has, he's, but two of his goals he scored has been just bullet headers. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he's impressed. He, he wasn't brilliant against Crew, but they definitely had his number. They marked him out of the game somewhat, in my opinion. And when McCann made the right change, again, you know, when did we say that last <laughs> season? Not, not at all. McCann made the right change and brought Meyer on and, and put Wilkes through the middle and, and there you go. Um, I mean, it was the bit of quality that we needed. Three, but we've now got players where it works. Mm. Yeah. Um, was there anything you wanted to finish on, Rich? Because I think we're nearly... Uh, I think we're, we're almost yeah, done um, with everything we wanted to I cover. I hope I'm not kind of chucking you a grenade of a, a question here, Graham. Um, and forgive me if I am. What I just wanted to ask you is that there'd be probably a number of people who would listen to this who wouldn't yet be members of the trust. I don't know about Luke, but I am. Um, and I'd just like to give you the, you know, maybe a, a minute, a couple of minutes, just to kind of, you know, make a case as to why people should um, should get on board and, and join the trust at this time. The more members we have in the trust, the more 
influence we can wield with the club. It's it's the simple. Of, I mean, we have currently possibly six hundred and fifty members at the moment, but we would love to have more. We are, I think, now the. Um, I will get my people to check this, but I think we are the second largest football supporters trust in the country. Um, the Man United Supporters Trust is somewhat larger because they have some sort of deal with the club. I think they've got 200,000 right. members, but most of them don't. Mm. None of them live Most in- of them have never been to <laughs> Old Trafford, though. <laughs> no, it is numbers. And we, we want to be... We are the voice of members and non-members, but the more members we have, we can be, be, we can be a stronger voice for them. I mean, mm. in all our dealings, we, we don't just look after trust members mm. we look after city fans but come and join us help us help us show how strong we can be i think that's a very good note to end that on yeah i think that's brilliant yeah um graham i think thanks so much for coming on and, and and talking all things supporters trust and all things city it's been very enjoyable talking to you Sorry thank you for your time talking. no not not at all oh no no you haven't i mean this the 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 end part of this podcast is called blah blah blah. And we do that very well anyway. Um, but to add it, to add somebody else's voice on who knows a little bit, well, is a bit more qualified to talk about things than we are. It's it's great to have somebody else's voice on there. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on and and talking with us. No worries. It's brilliant. Um, I'm sure we'll speak to you soon at some point in the season. Um, but uh, we'll stay in touch and, and hopefully speak to you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Mate. Cheers. Bye. Okay, we're with uh, Alex Robinson, who's media executive for Hull City Ladies. Um, just a few words from Alex about um, this season, the preparations, and and what uh, how it's going to go. Really, um, good start to pre-season so far, Alex. Would you say um, with the fixtures you've had before the start of the season last week? Yeah, five games, three wins, and two losses. But uh, really, pre-season didn't matter what win or lose. It's just about team tactics, building your uh, fitness. So I thought pre-season went really good. Uh, just like to say, it's just great to see like live football. We're all a bit disappointed of this year, and like the latest news of no fans allowed. So it's just good to see some live football. Uh, play really good football during the week, training and on game day. So hopefully uh, today's game uh, will do okay. And but more looking forward to next Wednesday. Uh, free for NHS and key workers. Because they've just done so great work this year, haven't they? So we'd just like to say thank you to them, and hopefully they can get down, uh, buy tickets online. So, so that's the Wednesday game against Huddersfield. That's free to any key workers and NHS staff. And yeah. NHS staff. So they just bring the badge down and. Uh, but we're advising people to buy online because we're li- uh, capped to three hundred spectators. So if we're just uh, keeping a, a lid on how many spectators we're allowed at Hayworth Park. Okay. Um, one of the other things that's new for this season is uh, sharing with uh, obviously Hall Road Rangers down at Hayworth Park. Um, how has it how has it been moving from from Ferriby back into back into Hull? Has the move been positive? Uh, definitely, it's been positive. Uh, we had a real nice ground at Ferriby, but uh, we're back in Hull this year. We listened to the supporters. Uh, they said about a Hull team playing in Hull, 
and we've got a real nice ground at Hayworth Park. Um, so if you want to get down, uh, affordable drink prices, affordable ticket prices, and it's just good ground and yeah, good environment. Um, so you say it's about capped to three hundred, isn't it? Um, so far, so any of the upcoming home games, would you advise to, for any supporters who want to come down and watch all City Ladies to to book online first to ensure you get first first dibs on tickets? Yeah, definitely. Season passes are still on sale and a good price at forty quid, so you can't go wrong with eleven home games, cup games too. So yeah, definitely buy online. But uh, available tickets on the day, but we just advise to buy online. Okay, um, and obviously it starts the season last week. It was a it was a one one draw at Middlesbrough. Um, good result. Was it a good performance last week for the opening game? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ad Costello, the first team manager, said they're going to be a top team this year, and not many people uh, teams are going to beat them this year. Uh, we had some good chances. We nearly nicked out of the death. Uh, hit the post. Fantastic saving. Ninety second minute. So to uh, go to a top team like Middlesbrough and draw. Uh, good result for Hull City Ladies. Definitely. Um, and obviously one thing we should make clear with, with Hull City Ladies is that this is an independent organisation completely, isn't it? This is this is no way affiliated to the men's team. Obviously the podcast will cover both, um, but obviously Hull City is very much Danny Johnson's kind of creation, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So I'm not being affiliated with the men's team. It's positive and negative really, but I would say definitely more positive sides have been uh, not affiliated. So we're just uh, relying on our great supporters and um, our key partners and sponsors. Uh, finally, just for, for any listeners who are obviously interested in coming down to watch a, a whole city team that can actually watch in person rather than through a laptop, um, what, what have been some big signings or some, some key names to look out for this year in terms of like all over the park and um, maybe key players for, for the season to come? I'd say, well, uh, one, our goalkeeper only turned 16 last week. 10-16 on the Saturday and she played on the Sunday made a debut <laughs> it's great great birthday present that one wasn't it and she made some good saves uh, Emily Smith um, is another good player to watch Rebecca Beach of record speaks for itself I think it's 164 goals in 180 games or something like that so that's a great start just all of them uh, they're committed to play for the team and it's just like I say live football isn't it yeah and obviously, usually when there's a, when there's a Hull City ladies away fixture, the reserves play as well, don't they? So obviously there's the kind of a development squad up and about as well that are based at Hayworth Park as well, isn't there? Yeah, and sometimes they'll even play. Both teams will play at home, so you've got um, you can watch both games really. Yeah. So it's even better. Okay, um, Alex, thanks very much for your time for telling us about Hull City, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you um, again at different points of the season. Thank you. If we look forward to the Plymouth Argyle game at home, yes, they they're going all right actually. Um, they're not doing too bad. They've won one, drawn two, so they haven't lost yet either. As a newly promoted side, you'd be uh, more than satisfied with that start. Yeah, they drew to Shrewsbury last weekend, one-one. Um, yes, they also drew against AFC Wimbledon 4-4, which was a remarkable game to watch. Yeah, I, watched was, that I tell you what, there were some cracking goals in that they game were. as well. There were some real moments of quality there. Um, yeah. And then first game of the season, they won, beat, didn't they? They beat, beat Blackpool. Blackpool at home 1-0. So yeah. they've scored a few goals, but they've also shipped a couple as well. They've so. conceded 12 in, in six. That's it. So I would fancy our chances. I don't know about you. I mean, I keep kind of being a little bit pessimistic 
on the podcast about the upcoming game and think, oh, it is a tough game. And I do think, again, Plymouth will be... I don't think there'll be any mugs, will they? I don't think they'll play football like Northampton will, for example. No, no. It From reading their kind of season previews uh, a few weeks ago, mm. uh, 442 and what have you, it sounds like they've got a, a football inside there. Mm. Um, and, you know, one that will, you know, fancy the chances. I watched their um, Ryan Lowe's um, press conference yeah, um, their manager shortly before we started recording, mm. and you can tell that they're not they're not coming here and you know kind of feeling any trepidation about what they're coming up against. I think they're no, expecting they're, a difficult game. They're going to give it a good go, I think, by the yeah. by the look of things. Um, yeah, they made quite a few signings in pre-season as well. Yeah, they've also lost a couple of uh, key players though. Mm. Um, Anthony Sajovic, I think, is how you pronounce it. Most. Sarchevich has gone to Bolton. Uh, Bolton, yeah. So apparently he's a key, key or oh, was a key player for them. So mm. um, there's a couple that sign new contracts, like uh, there's Scott Wooten who was at uh, Man United, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man United yeah. youth, he was there. Um, they signed Nublay, is it? I think up front. Um, they signed him at the beginning of August as a former Colchester player. So. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think this will be a different proposition than the games that we've played so far. I think I'm not. Yeah, I'm really I mean, not sure how this one's going to go. I, I, it's tough when yeah. you're playing. I mean, we've played four, three of the four promoted sides, haven't we? We have. Yeah. After this they game, say, they say that you, you know you don't want to get them early in the season because they'll kind of have that bounce. Mm. Um, whether or not that's negated. Um, by the fact that they've had so much time off, I think it was only Northampton would have played any games recently because they won in the playoffs. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, but for Plymouth, it would have been, you know, such a long time mm. between winning promotion and coming up to this standard. Um, you know how much how much of an effect does that have? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like you say, it's been a good start for them. Um, you know they were it, coming to us um, with the quality of the squad that we've been able to put together mm. um, is a completely different proposition. You know, than playing the likes of um, Blackpool and Shrewsbury. No, obviously, uh, no disrespect intended towards them. Um, no, I, I, interestingly, I um, I looked at the stats on that first game. You, you know, when they played, uh, they played Blackpool first game of the season and they won. Yeah. Um, they did not have any of the ball at home. It was quite shocking <laughs> when you look right. at it. Um, you look at the stats of the game and Blackpool absolutely battered them. 19 shots to Blackpool away from home to five from Plymouth. They had 63% possession with Blackpool um, and they only had obviously a 37%. So it very much was they played on the break and it it worked because they scored after three minutes and then just defended deep. So it, that may be a tactic they go with. I don't know. That was a tactic, tactic that lots of teams scored very early against us the back end of last season and we never recovered. So yeah. obviously Northampton could have gone the other way in the opening stages. With the, we were a little bit shaky at the start. Um, yeah, we need to be on it from the start. Likewise for we? crew, mm, you know, yeah. crew, crew had their chances. I think crew have played the best football against us so far in the league. 
Yeah. Um, they were very organised and they played well. They've always had k- kids coming through the academy and, and a good good kind of young players, haven't they, crew? It's, it's, they're kind of a, a team that, you know, nobody really feels badly towards crew, I don't think. I think they kind of admire what they try and do with the academy and so forth. But they, they're pointless at the bottom. I don't think they will be by the end of the season, though. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It, it is a t- it's going to be a tough game at home, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean... Looking at looking at our um, squad, we've got Tom Eves coming back in, haven't we? We have. We already said with um, Graham earlier on. That's it. Um, but we're not sure on the availability of Smallwood and Wilts yet. Mm. Um, and then we are bolstered by a new signer. Regan Slater. Yeah. So yeah. a season long from Chef U. Um, I have to admit, I didn't know that much of him. Um, I'm not one of these. No, well, I'm not one of no. these city um, city fans who shout "Oh!" as soon as we find somebody because I mean that annoys me. But um, the, wait and see. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but I know he's been on loan with Carlisle and Scunthorpe previously. Yeah, I don't think he played an awful lot of games with Scunny last season. Though, no, I don't think so. Of, uh, um, injury and what have you. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he, he's, I mean, he wouldn't be at Sheffield United if he weren't no good, in my opinion. Because um, Bull, like th- their manager, has a good uh, Chris Wilder has a good style of play. That I know they've not started well this season. I may be second season syndrome for them, but they did take the league by storm last year. Much that pains mm. me to say. And he's say. been involved with their first team, you know, over the course of preseason as well. Yeah, um, and playing in a, in a couple of positions as well. Mm. Um, I think he played wide right as well as um, in in the number eight position. And I mean, and that's what McCann likes. He likes players that can that. Are, you know, versatile, doesn't he? It seems to with all yeah. the signings he's made. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, he's, I think, McCann's done well with the signings he's made pre-season and and then into this season. On what we've seen so far, yeah, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Is I mean, Josh Emmanuel's. I, I think he's great, um, especially the mentality. The other week when you know there was that <laughs> that video, just it was brilliant, wasn't it? But. Yeah, he's winners, man. That's it. We're winners, man. We don't feel tightness. We're winners. Um, but I mean, you've got him and Louis Coyle both competing for right back, and then you've got you know, like when Smallwood comes back, you've still got even people like you know, Batty isn't a bad player at all. And you know, at the minute he's played, he played against um, Chef Wednesday under twenty threes, didn't he? So did so did Long, I think, because mm. um, we. We beat them in midweek. They play actually played at the KC. Um, it would. Yeah, I'm beginning to wonder if Batty's got the physicality to get about in the way that McCann wants. I think that might be it. I do think you've got a point with that. I do think that somebody like Smallwood or even Doherty has the edge over Batty. Um, yeah, Batty's pass, his passing range is excellent, but it may not suit him to play in the start. Like I don't think it would have suited against Northampton an awful lot. No. Um, and obviously didn't go with it but he, he's still he's still a good player to have in the squad but at, yeah I like him the, I do like him yeah at the minute I think McCann's choices have been justified and we've seen results from it when he's not necessarily got it right against Crew, he fixed it um, maybe a little bit more to come from Thomas Mayer because obviously he didn't really feature last well, week well again he's another one who's not played an awful lot of football that's it isn't it yeah to see out him and him and um, Adelican and, and anybody else who's 
new to us and coming from leagues where they haven't played a lot of competitive football. It still feels very uh, much pre-season at the minute with players. It it does at times, but that's the thing. They'll they'll be kind of um, readjusting their bodies to to the rigors of um, the game mm. and and not just kind of situations within an individual 90 minutes, but the fact that they're having to go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, all right, we've got a bit of respite with, the, with that in our schedule at the moment. And with the Grimsby game being once, off. One, yeah, once we've played um, Plymouth and then we have the Friday night game away to Fleetwood, mm. um, we've got another week after that for Rochdale, but then it gets really quick. Yeah. You know, uh, we go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday um, for quite some time. Mm. Um, you know, almost a month where we'll be playing like that. So um, they'll they'll be feeling the way into it. So you're not going to see those performances going like a, an upward curve, you know, all the way up. There are going to be bumps and, you know, peaks and troughs, I think, to their performance. I think it's important to keep that in mind. Definitely. Um, so any... Um... Is there AOB anything we were else else we were going to talk about? Um, I was only going to say the uh, membership issue, but I think we covered that with Graham. Yes. Um, is I I saw conflicting reports just on the Grimsby game. I heard that it was potentially still on, but I it's don't I don't think it is. Is it? it? They definitely confirmed, the it, confirmed it was off. It on the website. Right, yeah, okay. it's postponed. Um, another date to be. Announced, which kind of makes the whole League Cup thing with um, Leighton Orient and Tottenham mm. um, a little bit more confusing. Yeah. Um, but again, that's probably just the, the scheduling um, that led to that decision. That's it. Um, it was some good chats this week, I think. Particularly enjoyed the yeah, chat with Graham. Was, uh, it's always good to get another voice on other than us two, isn't it? Nice, nice to get an insight into um, running the sports you know, trust, the, the organ, the supporters trust, and you know, um, I think there are people who've had their reasons over the years for um, not wanting to get involved with supporters trust. You know, mm. and, um, that the story of the previous chairman Jeff Bailey and the scarves that he handed to uh, owners is well documented, and some people didn't want to get involved in the supporters trust because. Of, you know, something like that. Um, I can't say that really bothered me. Um, I've been a member of the Supporters Trust off and on um, since its inception. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's important that we, we do get involved in it just because, as as Graham said, it, it, the more the more paying customers are involved in the Supporters yeah. Trust, the bigger the... It's bigger the voice, isn't it? Yeah, it's bigger the voice. Yeah, we have exactly. to try and then liaise with exactly. the owners. And, and, you know, hopefully... There will come a time where you don't need to kind of think about what effects the supporters trust can have because things might be going better. It did make an interesting point with that with the ones that you don't hear from is where there isn't really a problem. It's it's when yeah, that's yeah. the goal. That has to be the goal, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the referee is the best. Referees are not noticed. They're <laughs> <laughs> the best clubs. Yeah, they're, oh. All that, all wrapped up in a heat package. package. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to get at least one Simpsons re- 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 reference in every episode. Uh, it's, it's either that or Father Ted. Definitely. Well, one, we could do both, <laughs> but I think we'll save the Father Ted for next week, potentially. Um, yeah, potentially. Potentially. 
Um, so, obviously, thanks to everybody, uh, um, Graham Cannon, for coming on and chatting to us about uh, Hull City Supports Trust. And also to uh, Alex Robinson, who talked to me uh, before the Hull City ladies game at home against Sunderland, but which they won. So there's, it's nice to get some insight from the ladies team as well. Um, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more about those as the uh, as the weeks and the games come. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be good to play a part in that. Or, you know, not play a part in it, yes. but just help to document Yeah, that. absolutely. And I know there, was, there were a lot of people down um, for the, the game at the weekend. And then against Huddersfield the other night, I know they had um, NHS and key workers went in free. Um, so they right. had a big crowd down for that in the pouring rain. But yeah, definitely a good initiative that I think most people get behind. Um, so I think there's more to come from them this season. It's it's good to see that the the, the ladies are on the up, definitely. Um, and obviously, thanks to to Alex for speaking to me before that. And um, we just live in hope for another city win, don't we, Rich? Yeah, yeah. Forza. Hopefully, we will have another weekend where city win. Opposition fans don't like us, and we say we don't care. We've had our fun. And that's all that matters. matters. Love that. (laughs) Well done. Very well done, sir. I got (laughs) got it in. You got it in. You got it in, did lad. Brilliant. Um, (laughs) Right. Until next time, then. Um, Great start to as usual, Rich. And we'll. uh, Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, Yeah, follow us on social media. Rate, like, subscribe, engage. (laughs) (laughs) Where did that come from? Oh yeah! By the by the know, way, they say it on podcasts and stuff. Don't before they, they uh, before we go, I had a new country added to our listeners. Oh yeah, Cambodia. Oh, which was right out of holiday the blue. in Cambodia. Holiday is what we need. That's tough, kid. But it's that's life. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, in uh, non. God, I love the dead Kennedys. <laughs> and so should you listen to them. Um, yeah, Phnom Penh that's where the listener is apparently in Cambodia, so there must be a City fan there somewhere, so please get in touch on social media, at Tigers Blah Um, so we can personally shout you out Did anybody tell you where they were listening from? I didn't get any direct messages, no Um, Uh... it's a a shame, but maybe maybe they just haven't listened yet, maybe they're they're catching up with everything Possibly, Um, might be the time zone Might be the time zone I definitely know we've, uh, we've got quite a few listeners in the States where it's like a lot of states now. Like there's some in Texas, there's some in New Jersey, there's some New York, Vermont. Oh, really? Yeah. My dad worked in Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, Paris, Texas. There we go. Um, in fact, if I just go on the account now, I will tell you where uh, the majority of the listeners are in the US. Um, they are our second biggest um listeners after the UK so in the US we have New Jersey, Texas, Vermont North Carolina, Massachusetts Illinois, Missouri and West Virginia all fine states very very good Yeah, uh, New Jersey is the top one um, but yeah there, there seems to be um, quite a few um, listeners across uh, the world particularly in the states so uh, Hello to everybody over there and give us a shout so we can mention you personally because it's good to connect with people across the world that we share a, a mutual love of city. So, um, obviously, till next week, we will speak to you soon and it's up the Tigers. Awesome. What's up? <laughs> See you next week. See you.